for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today's episode, we're going to learn about cycling through the Smokies Pass and cycling in the Great Smokies. But first, I'm going to tell you about a really great event coming up. Uh, Darren Nicholson is going to have a bluegrass band camp and concert. On July 17th, 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Metal Arc Smoky Mountain Heritage Center in Maggie Valley. It's an exclusive event for aspiring musicians to learn and interact with some of the best artists in the business, culminating in an all-star concert that's open to the public uh, with a limited supply of tickets. Darren Nicholson is a bluegrass and Americana musician based in Haywood County in the mountains of Western North Carolina, a Grammy nominee and a recipient of multiple International Bluegrass Music Association Awards. Darren has appeared a countless time on uh, WSM's Grand, Grand Old Opry at the, at the Ryman Auditorium, and CMT, GAC, and many of the world's most famous venues and networks. Currently, he records and tours as a full-time founding member of Balsam Range, one of the top bluegrass bands in the world with all sorts of collaborative effort, efforts each year. Darren, Darren is also renowned as a solo artist, session musician, and songwriter. Joining him will be Eric Ellis. Eric Ellis has started performing at Fiddler's Conventions at age 16 with Harvey Beatty and Steve Kelby. He later played with Fiddler Tim Pruitt. Eric also continued to play music with Dave Johnson, who told him, if you're going to play much, you're going to have to go out of town. He took that advice and began traveling to play music with a, large, with, a, with a larger circle of musicians, including Clarence Green, Carl Spann, and he played with the Roy McMillan Band. He continues to play bluegrass with various groups. He picks with Lloyd Church and the Dixie Pals uh, and with Drake Walsh and David Johnson. He plays uh, lots of different styles. And he's been teaching for 23 years and gives banjo lessons to many students at his home. Also joining this all-star lineup of teachers and bluegrass musicians is Audie Blaylock. He, his musical journey is familiar to uh, one in bluegrass music, having grown up in an Appalachian musical family. It's, his education started early and led to him sharing the stage with some of bluegrass' finest and most respected artists, including... Uh, bluegrass character and giant Jimmy Martin, as well as Red Allen, Harry Allen, Harley Allen, Lynn Morris, Michael Cleveland, and Rhonda Vincent. After starting, started after he started charting his own course, he earned IBMA nominations and awards and awards, including Instrumental Group of the Year, Guitar Player of the Year, Entertainer of the Year, Male Vocalist of the Year, and a Grammy nomination. Another all-star on this, uh, this, uh, this teaching uh, cast is Reed Jones. He's a bit of a renaissance man in today's bluegrass world. In addition to touring internationally as a bassist with Grammy-nominated band leader, uh, Audie Blaylock and his band Redline, 
Jones is also a photographer, a musical preservationist, and, mu and multi-instrumentalist and a vocalist. He's an accomplished writer and songwriter, and he's very good at barbecue, and he claims that he's a coffee snob. <laughs> he regularly finds himself on both ends of the songs, having written and performed the theme song for the Travel Channel series, Backroll Gold, playing bass on number one bluegrass singles, and writing or co-writing multiple other charting singles in the bluegrass world. Go to metalarkmotel.com and look for Smoky Mountain Heritage Center under uh, events menu for more information. Or to register, call 828-926-17 to reserve a room for the weekend and get free entry or purchase tickets uh, to uh, seminars and or the whole weekend and to the concert on Saturday night. Our guest today is Wendy Myers, who was born in Atlanta, Georgia, but grew up in Bryson City, North Carolina. She, she moved from Atlanta when she was 18 months old, she just told me. <laughs> so she only remembers Bryson City. Since, 19, uh, since 2013, she has maintained a blog called Reflections of Old Swain that seeks to preserve the history of Swain County. Wendy is a renowned historian and researcher. She has three older children, and in her spare time, she enjoys hiking and cycling. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Joseph. Nice How to be you? here with you. Well, it's nice to be here with you. I know that you're at the Meadowlark, so I'm hoping you're enjoying the hospitality of the of our fine establishment down there. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. So, um, so... You have a career elsewhere. You're a graduate of Georgia State University with a degree in clinical laboratory science and have worked for over 20 years in the pharmaceutical industry, where you work as a, a regulatory writer in drug development. What was your journey from pharmaceuticals to historic research? Well, um, I just, I have parents who have a real focus on history. My mom is a not exactly a professional genealogist, but, but uh, close to it. My father has a master's degree in history from Emory, actually. So, um, you know, they always just imbued me with this real love of, of history. And I think I've just kind of always pursued it uh, growing up. And it kind of lends itself well to, you know, laboratory research and, you know, moving on from there into clinical research, which is what I do now. Uh, for a profession, and then now I do historical research on the side. So it's been a so, long progression. So, so clinical research and writing about it is sort of has has a similar approach to work as historical research. I think so. It's pretty methodical. You know, you just have a very well established process that you use to um, find the information and to vet the information. Right? You just have a very rigorous set of protocols. What, you know, what is the evidence level, you know, for, for this? And can we say, you know, this is, this is acceptable according to family tradition, or can we say this is absolutely the truth based on like a census record or something, uh -huh. different levels of evidence. So they mesh very nicely. Cool. Our mutual friend, Bob Plot calls you the best, uh, the best of the Smoky Mountain History Detectives bar none. What do you what do you attribute to your in, intense interest and in passionate, detailed, well documented research for our region? I, I know you mentioned mentioned your family, but is there other things full fueling that uh, intensity? Well, I think it's just that I really love 
this area. I mean, it's just very much home and I feel like a little bit of it dies off every day. You know, a little bit of, of the history goes away every day. And so to me, it's really important to be able to try to preserve as much as possible. I love helping authors like Bob and others who are doing the same sort of thing that I am. So uh, it's just a real pleasure to, you know, really put forth an intense effort to find something that might mm -hmm. be meaningful, you know, for preservation. So um, I, you know, I started reading some of your blogs and, and you go to a lot of different re resources, really. I mean, uh, yeah, what kind of resources do you do to do all this historical research? I do a lot of work in Ancestry.com, which gives me access to an unlimited number of census records and death certificates and immigration records and that sort of thing. I go to newspapers.com which has a great historical archive of newspapers and genealogybank.com, which has something similar. I do archival work and what used to be the Sugarlands um, Center is now in Townsend for the park. I've gone to the National Archives. So mm -hmm. I, I do a little bit of everything, go, go all over the place. Well, it's pretty amazing. You know, when I was reading uh, one of your blog posts uh, on your blog, I think you had a partner and they might've been involved in doing this. But it was called, um, it was about Junie Wank Branch, uh, which I'm sure you could tell me a lot about. But uh, it was a, it was a, a poem uh, that I guess was uh, now, a book now out of print. Um, and it was written by J.W. Clay. And I think it describes me as a, a, a boy of the mountains who's now, you know, has other things that he has to do. And it's called A Little Log Cabin in the Mountains. And we'll read it because I think it just, it spoke to me and maybe to other people. A little log cabin in the mountains, a spring and a creek running by. The deep, solemn silence of the wild wood, broken by the screech owl's cry. A meadow that harbors a haystack, a field where the golden rod blooms, a hill where hides the art butus, where tall the great oak tree looms, a garden of old fashioned flowers, the hollyshock, marigold and rose, a plot with vegetables growing with onions and cabbage in rows, the whinny of a horse in the pasture, a cow in the shed and a calf, a pig in the pen making noise, that is neither a cry nor a laugh. A cock with a dictator strut, some pullets and hens running around and fretting and a fretting old chuck with their brood, scratching for worms in the ground. A blazing wood fire in the winter when snow is covering the ground, a cat on the hearthstone purring and a lazy but faithful old hound. I have traveled the faraway places I have crossed over mountain and sea. I have seen the great cities in splendor, but their splendor holds nothing for me. For I love my log cabin in the mountains. It is humble, but still it's my home. And never again shall I leave it across the world, wide earth to roam. Of course, though, I live in the city. Like you and other poor devils I know, but my heart and my soul are in the mountains where memories like embers glow. 
So I live in the city of New York, <laughs> but I grew up where my family has been for 200 years. And that's the mountains. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's, those memories will never really go away, but it's nice that you're documenting, documenting them. Um, and, uh, you know, um, where, where, where do you find these, this, where do you, is, where do you find these poems and things like that? How do you find these books? I think that particular one was shared by um, a, a former research partner, um, but I found a lot of stuff on um, various Facebook pages that I'm on. Great poetry about um, cabins and living in the mountains and things like that. And I do pull that in from time to time. That's good to know that social media can produce some beauty yeah, like that. <laughs> cool. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a break, um, but when we come back, we're talk, I wanted you to tell us about some of the other favorite stories that you might have from blogs and any other tidbits like that. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Wendy Myers. So, Wendy, you have this uh, wonderful uh, blog uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's got a lot, of, a lot of stories and a lot of research. I mean, each story is incredibly researched. What are some of your favorite stories on the, on the blog or what are some of your favorite discoveries that you've researched and found? Well, I think the, the work I'm probably the proudest of is um, some work I did for a, um, I didn't do it for a family, I, but I was closely associated with a local family doing it. And it was on um, the only slave that was known to be buried in the Fontana Reservoir. And interestingly enough, when her grave was exhumed, she was noted in the TBA records as having been a former slave. And I was so interested in this, person that I just started digging and digging and digging and I went into slave records and old deeds from Macon County and surrounding counties and I did a tremendous amount of work to find out more about who this woman was and um, when I did that uh, the family that um, like the descendants of her slaveholders were uh, very interested in kind of helping me, helping to support me in this work and do more for her. So they actually bought her a tombstone where, and we placed it where she, where we knew her to be buried in the Lueda Cemetery in Bryson City. And um, that work actually continues. And pre-COVID, we had actually located some living descendants of of her and we're planning to reunite these two families because there had been evidence that there was a friendly relationship between this former slave and her um, uh, slaveholding family after she was free because she stayed very close by. I'm very proud of that story. I felt that was like very meaningful work. And uh, then some of the others, there are a couple others I did about murders in the local area. One during the um, flu epidemic, Spanish flu um, in 1918, and another uh, about the murder of a young girl, 16 years old, and nine, seven weeks of the murder occurring. Basically. Wow. And what was the, what was the story in the, the Spanish flu? I mean, that's relatable to this time now. What was the, 
Well, who was murdered and how were they caught? <laughs> it was interesting because uh, there were a lot of uh, local people that were recruited by the Red Cross to go in and care for families that were very stricken. And this entire family had been stricken as Columbus Wiggins. He had gone to help a family out in the need Wiggins to death. Oh, wow. So that was called murder, though. It could have been accidental mm-hmm. in some ways. Did, uh, did the father get executed? He did not. He was sent away to um, the uh, sanatorium, I guess, down uh, probably, and he didn't stay there very long. He was basically judged to be insane at the time with the act. Okay, all right, so that makes sense. Oh wow! So, uh, so you get you get into some real stories there, don't you? For sure. Uh, yeah. Um, any any really other feel good stories that you remember? Um, there, there's. Definitely quite a few. There are a lot of just uh, real general interest stories on there. Um, a lot of the work I like to do relates to, I do a lot of work on the African-American uh, presence in the county because there is so little of it. But one of my favorite stories about that is just um, how one family kind of rose from slavery, become, you know, the, this kind of prominent family in the area and they established a little black school and things like that and uh really proud of that research and it makes me uh feel good because their their descendants um have kind of carried that into the future cool and i i I know also that you wrote some about cherokee as well right correct i have not done as much work on cherokee as i need to but okay well you did some i noticed you wrote in the area yeah Cool. So have you given any thoughts to writing a book or a compilation of your stories? I have. I have given thought to putting together an anthology of some of my stories from the blog. I think I've got 43 articles. So there's a lot to pull from. And then I'm also, I've done a lot of research on the area called Judson. It's a drowned town under Fontana Lake. I've accumulated a ton of research. So now I just need to get into the writing for that. Cool. When you uh, write that book, uh, you're going to come back on and talk to us about it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm setting you up right now. You can't tell me no. <laughs> but it'll be good. We've had a number of authors. Guy, and maybe maybe you'll get published by the Smoky Mountain Association, right? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so, so not only are you a fine researcher and writer and historian, but unlike many academics in the field, you are also an avid hiker and cyclist. I also know that you were a Swain County track star and complete, competed at the college level. Is that correct? Correct. Did you win any awards? <laughs> yes, my sophomore year or junior year. My junior year was all conference in, in our college conference. It's an NCAA right. Division One. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Well, but my my point, my point though is is that uh, uh, being in superb physical condition has allowed you to hike and bike in some of the most most remote areas in the Smokies while conducting your research. I saw some of the blog posts where you were talking about. Well, you better be ready because this is what's going to happen when you come back here. So that's uh, <laughs> that's something a lot of historians simply can't do. Do can you tell us about some of those favorite hiking trails and maybe some of those faraway places? Yeah, so I was, I was trying to give some thought to that when I got uh, the questions. And some of my favorite hiking, probably my favorite hiking, 
is off trail. So I'm not going to discuss that, but that's what you have to do to do a lot of the research <coughs> for home sites. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, some of my, um, I guess my favorite hikes, um, let me look at my, t- my notes here. Um, I really like Bradley Fork. Uh, that's a really nice trail up in the Smokemont area. It can, it, you can kind of add different loops to it, but it's very historical, runs along this beautiful trout stream. Um, the people who used to work for the Champion um, Logging Company and Paper Plant um, and Logging Mill um, lived up in there. And so you can see little home sites and then there's a road you can cut off on called Chastine Creek that leads up to a beautiful waterfall and there are other loop trails across over from that. So that's a favorite one because it's beautiful uh, in all times of the year. And then I would say, you know, hiking in Catalucci, uh, which is very close to where I am right now, is a very uh, wonderful thing to do. Pretty Hollow Gap is really nice. Um, Boogerman Trail and just hiking to some of the old uh, cemeteries and homes uh, there is nice. Um, I can discuss longer trails, shorter trails, hikes to views, whatever you want, Jesus. So you might have to prompt me here. <laughs> well, do, do any do any of these hikes have a special historical significance? Pretty much all of them do. I don't. Oh. It, at least in the Smokies, I generally will hike with a historical thought in mind. I mean. Like one of my favorite hikes is to Hemp Hill Bald, which is a kind of up the mountain from here. And uh, it's I go there because of the beautiful view. It's amazing. But the neat one of the neat things about hiking along it is it's just got like miles of these broken locust fences that were put in there over a hundred years ago. And so those are, you know, it's just a they're wonderful aspects of history and in any hike in the park, really, because the the one really nice thing about this park that's not discussed much is it has quite the human history, right? Because this park was taken from people. People, you know, gave their lands, sold their lands for the creation of it. And I think it's just really important to, you know, remember that sacrifice when we're enjoying the park. So, you know, any any hike you do is going to have a, some kind of a historical component to it. So those those broken those were surrounding pastures and and farmland, right? At one point, that's correct. Yeah. You know, when my uh, my my uh, on my on my mother's side, my grandparents you know came from uh, I think Florida uh, and, and 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 other things, and they. Um, when they came, they got a, a valley and mountain area called uh, now called Fox Run, and, and they tell me that that was totally bare, right? It was all grass. It was like right. all grass, and then they the, then they just let it go, and it's now very dense woodland. So you know, I, I imagine a lot of the park used to be, uh, you know, used to be uh, uh, pastures and stuff, and now it's become totally returned to the wild, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I was up on Indian Creek um, this week riding my bike. And that's so it's so neat because if you look at the old pictures from when the park was created, much of what you're looking at was all pasture land. And now it's completely wooded. You know, it's it's interesting to think about what it used to be. Yeah. Now, do you encounter any wildlife? Like, have you had any interactions with bears? I have. Oh yeah. 
yeah, more this year than usual. I would say I've, I think I've encountered three bears this year. Wow. They don't really, they don't worry me much. They just, you know, we kind of just give each other space and <laughs> move on <laughs> about our business. Yeah. Uh, I think I worry more about hogs. Um, hogs can be a little bit more aggressive. Um, so I can tend to keep a pretty wide berth if I, if I think they're in the area. And then deer, of course, quite a bit. How about elk? Is the elk giving you any yes. problems? No, no, but I do try to, uh, I, I try to avoid elk uh, or areas of high elk population, especially during the rut, yeah. like in September and October. Right, <laughs> yeah, because they, they can get they can get a little, yeah, they could they could tend to come down to Maggie Valley in the rutting season. You know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, they they go they roam far and wide to uh, to uh, find mates. So you <laughs> end up having these these bulls making loud sounds and you know and. It's claiming territory and fields. And my parents had, you know, a, a bull uh, elk, you know, stay in their backyard for a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right. So when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll get more into uh, your hiking and then maybe into some cycling. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. And my guest, Wendy Myers. So, Wendy, uh, you, you're in the Bryson City area, uh, Swain County. And uh, so you, you, you know, I think, Deep Creek and Indian Creek pretty well, don't you? I do. Yeah. So well, tell me what's most special about that region. Well, the reason I love those areas, the Deep Creek and Indian Creek area so much, um, probably stems from my childhood because we had no uh, air conditioning growing up and we lived pretty close. So mom and dad would take us kids and dunk us in the creek when we were little, you know, to cool off during the summer. But that kind of just continued because when I ran track and cross country, I was up there every day, almost for years running because that was the best place to run and train. Um, in the area. And um, so, you know, over time, I just got a little bit more interested in the history. And that, that area is just exceptionally rich in human history. It was, it's been inhabited probably for thousands of years, specifically, up, more, most specifically up in Indian Creek. It was more amenable to um, agriculture and that sort of thing. But um, the first, you know, Caucasian inhabitants probably moved in right around the time of the Civil War. There were still a few Native Americans living in the area. Um, so it's kind of interesting to read about the, you know, the, the history between the two um, groups. And um, it's just, it's a, it's a fascinating thing to think about that area being a little thriving community, you know, because Deep Creek and Indian Creek now we see as the park. We see this very heavily forested area in the creek, but, you know, at the time when, but right before the park uh, was formed, there were churches and schools and there were two mills. There was a little store there. There was a hydroelectric dam on Deep Creek. A lot of people don't know that. It's a small hydroelectric dam. And so it was a real flourishing area. And every time I go up there, I love to think 
about what it was once before and the stories I've read. It's really you, you love the history of it as much as the beauty of it. I do. Yeah, uh, that's great. So, um, so I know, um, you know, the, you know, the the some the, the one purpose of this program is to encourage people to visit and you know experience the Smokies. So. You know, uh, do you know of resources or a local guides that would be useful for somebody coming to experience Bryson Cedar area and Deep Creek and Indian Creek? Well, I'm, I know that there are a few guides in the area, mostly though for fly fishing. So in December, I started learning to fly fish and uh, which seems like an odd thing to do in December, but I did. And uh, so I worked with my friend Sonia Monteith um, and she has a little guide service called, I think it's the Wandering Woman um, Adventures. And I, I really like working with her. And then another friend of mine named Mac Brown also has a fly fishing guide service. He's really excellent at what he does. Well, that, yeah, that's cool. I want I eventually I want to do a whole program on fly fishing because it's big in the mountains. You know, we have a mountain heritage stream back in the motel, you know, so uh, yeah. uh, fly fishing is an important component, especially in the Bryson City, Cherokee area. I got some wonderful uh, streams out there. Absolutely. So, um, so, you know, for, for somebody coming that wants an easy but gorgeous hike or interesting hike, what would you recommend? Okay. So if you want waterfalls, I think there's, a, there's the best place is probably there in Bryson City at Deep Creek. You can start out at the parking lot in Deep Creek and walk up to Junie Wang Falls, which you mentioned Junie Wang Creek earlier. And then you kind of just do this little traverse and come back down onto the main trail. You got to come to Tom's Branch Falls and then go up the creek a little further to Indian Creek Falls. And there's three waterfalls in two miles. So I think that's a really nice little loop and they're all a little bit different each, each of those waterfalls. So those are nice. And then um, for views, I really like, um, I really like the Blue Ridge Parkway. It's great for that. Um, Water Rock Knob is absolutely stunning. Um, there's a little, um, just over a half mile trail up to the summit from the big parking area at Water Rock Knob. And it's really beautiful, especially at sunset. And the same can be said of the Devil's Courthouse. I like the, the hike from the parking area up to the top of Devil's Courthouse. It's, uh, it's really stunning. So those are really nice for like waterfalls and views. And then just a nice placid trail is the Conalufti River Trail, which goes from the farmstead, you know, at the visitor center there to Conalufti, goes to Big Cove Road, but kind of just go, meanders along the uh, river. You frequently will see elk along that trail. It's just very, very pretty. And how about um, uh, challenging day hikes? Yeah, any that you would recommend? Um, yeah, so I was talking about Hemp Hill Ball earlier, yeah. and that's a really, that's a really nice one. It's about nine and a half miles round trip, and there's a lot of elevation gain, but the view at the top is stunning because you can sit at this massive stone table that's been created up there, and it's you just think you're on top of the world. It's so beautiful. You can see down at the Cataloochee Ranch and everything. Um, the hike to Charlie's Bunyan along the Appalachian Trail, uh, but Newfound Gap is quite nice. There's a lot of ups and downs and climbing and that sort of thing. But then you come out at this huge rock monolith, which has great uh, views as well. And uh, then another personal favorite is there's about a 10 mile hike on Nolan Creek. It's an out and back um, and it's just incredible because you pass so much history. It, it, Nolan Creek is a lot like uh, Deep Creek in that there was a, just a lot of 
history, you pass, you know, an old hydroelectric mill, you know, you pass the Rust estate, which Philip Rust was, uh, was married into the DuPont family. So there was a lot of, you know, wealth up in there. There were, there was a church, there were two schools, cemeteries and all sorts of interesting people who lived up there. So I think that's a great hike as well. And just a little bit more strenuous than about 10 miles. Cool. And, you know, uh, and for the people that are really adventurous, is there a good overnight trek? There are num any number of uh, overnight treks, um, obviously, in Smokies. A lot of people like to do, um, like, section hikes on the AT. Um, there's some nice overnights, you know, especially if you leave from um, Newfound Gap. You can hike to Davenport Gap on the one end, or you can hike down to Fontana Dam on the other. I don't tend to do that. I can do very, very, very long day hikes. Um, but uh, those are some of the more, uh, I guess those were some popular ones. Cool. So you're an accomplished cyclist as well, right? And um... <laughs> so I, I don't think there's Mike mountain biking the Great Smoky Mountains, but there is cycling on the roads, right? So, uh, so first, you know, where do you get a bike, or where did you get your bike, and is there a great bike shops people can get get this? Let's set them up. Let's get them ready to go. <laughs> okay, I have three bikes. <laughs> uh, all right. I have a road bike which I bought in Nashville. And I have a mountain bike, which I bought at a bike. I bought it secondhand at a bike shop that's no longer in operation in Bryson City. And then I bought something called a gravel bike, which is a little bit of a hybrid between a road bike and a mountain bike. Um, I bought it secondhand down in Charlotte. But Solly Cycles in Bryson City is who takes care of all of my bikes. And they do an amazing job. And can people rent bikes there too? They can. Yes. All right. Mountain cool. bikes. Yeah. So, um, so uh, what, can you tell us your favorite, favorite local mountain bike trails? Well, I think the most popular local trails are obviously at Solly. I mean, it's a, it's a very world-renowned uh, trail system. I do go out there and ride some. It's mostly single track, a little bit of double track. Um, it's beautiful. Um, there's definitely some arduous spots, but overall it's very well maintained. And I think there's maybe a total of about 38 miles of trail. So you're not going to get uh, bored out there. So I do that. And I like to ride up Indian Creek and Deep Creek as well, because you are allowed, that's one of the few places in the park you are allowed to actually mountain bike okay. is on Indian Creek and Deep Creek. And um, then probably my favorite place in the area um, actually is over in Clay County on Lake Chattoog on the Jackrabbit Trail System over there. Cool. And what what are some good uh, road bikes, road uh, road cycling uh, uh, tra uh, treks? So for road cycling, I really try to keep off of busy roads. Um, it's just dangerous, you know, if you don't. But the route I usually do is called uh, Burning Town, and it's in Macon County. It starts at the intersection of Burning Town Road and Teleco Road and goes all the, all the way out to uh, Highway 28 near Franklin. And it's about 19 miles out and back, but you can add on any number of different um, roads off of it to increase uh, the distance but it's it's very beautiful it's just got great views and uh, the people that live on that road and travel that road are very used to cyclists so never felt um at risk of being hit or anything like that so pretty 
Cool. Any other favorite uh, 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 rides? I, I like Haney Fork as well. Um, Haney Fork uh, is out past Western Carolina University. Uh, it's quite a, a really pretty place. It's quite level. There's not a whole lot of climbing. So I think it's called the the uh, flattest ride in the you know in the area. So it's it's very nice. Cool. Is there, so any, is there any overnight bike trips that you recommend? In this area, I don't. I've never done an overnight. Now, last year and this year, I've done uh, multi-day uh, trips. One in. Um, from Pittsburgh to Cumberland, Maryland, over four days, 150 miles. Uh, did that with my significant other last year. And this year I'm going to uh, do from DC to Cumberland, Maryland on the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal Trail. So that'll be another four days. All right. In the local area, not really. Not really. There's, I mean, I was wondering if the Mountain to the Sea Trail had a cycling component that goes from, from the Appalachians all the way to the coast, right? Yeah. You probably you probably could yes absolutely. All right, cool. Um, so um, you meant I, I think you mentioned need more track. So uh, why do you like that area so much? You know that's one that's just really hard to put my finger on. It's an incredibly beautiful place. It's been it was purposely preserved, and I like that it was put into basically a trust and. Um, it's just got a tremendous amount of history, natural beauty. I think that the Little Tennessee River Corridor is the prettiest uh, river corridor in the entire county, um, and maybe in the entire Southeast. Um, it's beautiful, it's historical, again, very heavily inhabited at one time, but by preserving the tracks for, you know, to prevent against future development, they basically have made this a, like a snapshot in time that we can continue to go back and see what it looked like a long time ago. So I like oh, that. Great. Well, uh, when we come back, I want you to, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, things to do in the Bryson City and other areas around the Western North Carolina that you might have some insights into. Sounds good. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and I'm here with my guest, Wendy Myers. So, Wendy, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So, tourist or guest comes to Bryson City, all right, and they want to, they have a day, right, and maybe they got to stay overnight, um, and they, they want to get a, a couple outdoor experiences and have some good food and good uh, entertainment. What would be their itinerary, you think, for the day? Oh, you are putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with breakfast. Where would you recommend they go to breakfast? I love the Everett Street Diner. Now, I'm biased because one of my children works there. But it's a really wonderful place. And uh, food's great. The owner's great. Service is great. And it's very reasonably priced. And it's quick. It's very uh, And what is the dish that they should get there? You know, it's really just regular Southern fare, you know, it's very typical eggs, bacon, you know, biscuits and gravy, that sort of thing, but they do it very well. Okay, cool. So good Southern mountain breakfast. 
Uh, then we're, where are they going to head out to first? So that they're going to do work they, outdoor, but they're going to they're do it in the afternoon. They're going to do it in the morning and come back for lunch. Okay. So probably in the morning, what I would recommend is doing the, um, is doing that little waterfall hike that I suggested um, just because um, later in the day, especially during the summer, the tubers get really thick and heavy in, uh, in Deep Creek. So uh, they want to see waterfalls. Morning would be a better time of day to do that. Okay. okay. Fabulous. And then they come back where they go have lunch. So I really like Anthony's uh, Pizza. It's a great place. It's right across from the depot. Uh, it's got great pizza, subs, you know, Italian food and all that sort of thing. Cool. Now, assuming they don't jump on the, the Smoky Mountain Railroad, road, which is right at the depot, right, which would be a wonderful afternoon adventure, uh, where would they go to do something outside in the afternoon? Well, one of the things I usually tell people to do when they're asking is I send them out to um, to Cherokee, to tool around Cherokee a little bit, but um, I always send them to the Pioneer Farmstead out there, the visitor center at Oconalofti, uh, to just see what a little mountain uh, farm uh, looks like. And interestingly enough, the home that's there, the representative home, was seated on Thomas Divide, which is in the Deep Creek and Indian Creek area um, in its original uh, state. So that's a kind of nice little tie to Bryson City. Um, so I send them there. And then if they stay there long enough in that area, they can watch the elk come down into the fields um, there at the farmstead in the evening. Cool. To feed, yeah. So then they, they come home back to Bryson City and where are they going to eat dinner? Well, I have two favorites. Uh, one is Pasqualinas, which is um, right at Everett Street and uh, Main Street, basically. It's got great Italian food. And then the other great place is the Frymont Inn, which is on the uh, hill overlooking um, town, which has more uh, southern uh, fare. But it's uh, family style, and it's really good. And it's served in this really cool dining room and a very historical hotel that was built about 100 years ago. Wow. And then assuming that they're not worn out, how would they finish the evening with some entertainment? Well, um, there's some a uh, couple of nice little uh, brew pubs. There's um, Bryson City Outdoors. A lot of people love to just go sit on the corner of Bryson City Outdoors and have a beer. Um, and they've also got a little food truck. So some people like to just go down there and eat at the food trucks as well. Um, Mountain Layers is across the bridge. It's, it's a brewery and it often, they often bring in um, live music. Um, you know, on the weekends and such. And then on, I believe, Saturdays um, in Bryson City, they have music along the river between uh, Memorial Day and uh, Labor Day. Fabulous. And, and now they're going to go to sleep. Which historic place are they going to go sleep in? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to a historical place. Uh, the main one you would want to go to would be the, the front lawn, for sure supposed to even be haunted. It's really uh, quite rustic. If you think of like an Adirondack type lodge, um, that's what, you, what you're getting there. And it doesn't have really the modern amenities as far as like there's no TV and that sort of thing. So they keep it very uh, rustic and it's really cool. Cool. So any other favorite places in the Asheville Bison Indian City uh, corridor that you want to give a shout out to? Oh, well, you know, I think rafting on the Nantahala River is pretty fun. It's really nice to do. Uh, 
during the uh, summer when it's really hot. It's got a pretty sporting little rapid at the end that some people emerge unscathed from and others don't, you know, so uh, that's a fun thing to do. Um, I really like the waterfall corridor on 64 between Franklin and uh, Highlands. It's got some really, really amazing waterfalls that are quite quite impressive. Dry Falls is going on there and you can actually walk behind that waterfall, which is, you know, really cool. Um, I tend to be focused mostly on um, outdoor stuff. So those are, you know, heavy areas of interest for me. I really like Panther Town Valley, which is a place most people don't know about, but it's got real diverse uh, flora and fauna and, you know, ecosystems. So that's another neat spot. Great. So how would uh, people follow you, find out more about what you do, what's your blog uh, address, that sort of thing? Okay, so it's um, called Reflections of Old Swain, and it's O-L-D-E, so it's like Old English, <laughs> and it's uh, www.reflectionsofoldswain.blogspot.com. Cool, and uh, are you got a LinkedIn or Facebook or anything like that? Yes, I have a, a Reflections of Old Swain Facebook page. That's cool. All right. That sounds good. Um, so uh, I want to thank you very much for being on our show today. It's been very nice. You're very knowledgeable. You've, I think you've provided some wonderful information for people to visit the area and also get a real in-depth look at the history here. That's, I, I, I've enjoyed this one tremendously. Great. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be on here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, and when we come down there, let's uh, let's go uh, ha have a beer or something and uh, and uh, talk about the history of this place. All right. That sounds great. <laughs> right. Thanks so much, Jason. Yes. Um, so uh, you can find more about this podcast at the Gateway to the Smokies dot fun. Uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter and follow links to various resources. Um, and, uh, and 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 uh, you know, and you can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Gateway to the Smokies podcast, where you actually see the uh, the previous episodes uh, uh, live, and you uh, that were streamed live, and you'll see this one streaming live on every Tuesday from six to ten. Now, I want you to imagine a place that's evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant, with a chic Appalachian feel, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream. Grill the catch on a fire and eat accompanied by fine wines or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley. Your Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay. We, uh, we are sponsored by Smokies Adventure. That's plural Smokies, singular adventure.com. It's a place for information and listings about the Smokies hiking and, and wedding venues and various books and trail maps and lots of resources. The emphasis uh, of Smokey's Adventure is outdoor recreation, outdoor life events like outdoor weddings and adventures, along with providing information on lodging, family, entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoons, and more. It is the leading information portal for the Smoky Mountains. Uh, I'll remind you that there's events at the, at the Metal Art Motel, including on the 7th and 8th of July, the Plot Fest Reunion Weekend, which is a cl close to booked up. I think there's one spot left. Go to metalartmotel.com to find out more. And of course, there's our bluegrass 
um, uh, the Bluegrass Band Camp that is on the next weekend following. This is, we're on talkradio.nyc network. There's lots of great shows uh, on this network. Uh, this show shows every Tuesday from six to seven. Uh, there's a great one about New York that follows. So stick around, listen to uh, uh, to uh, uh, stories and information about an urban uh, icon, New York City. Uh, and I, uh, I recommend it highly. Uh, and so thank you all very much for listening. Next week will be another great show. Um, and it's going to be Alex McKay. Um, so thank you and see you next time.